Welcome to another edition of Full Circle, a podcast from Aventus Whole Health. This week's topic is sleep and behavior. What non-pharmacological approaches can we take to helping our patients manage their sleep? We'll discuss the basic determinants of when we sleep and then consider how well-established cognitive behavioral approaches to managing difficulties with sleep can be applied in the long-term care setting. There are basically three things that determine when we sleep. Sleep drive, circadian rhythm, and sleep-promoting and interfering behaviors. Let's take each of these in turn. Sleep drive is simple. The longer you've been awake, the more likely it is you're going to fall asleep. Sleep drive begins at its lowest point once we're fully awake in the morning, and it gradually goes up over the course of a day as we stay awake. Circadian rhythm is that basic biological clock that governs so many of our body processes that follows a roughly 24-hour schedule. You may be aware that if we measure core body temperature, it varies over the course of a 24-hour day. It's at its lowest point at around 2 or 3 a.m. It slowly rises, hitting its peak mid-morning and plateauing until it drops off just a little after lunch in that sort of slightly somnolent period in the early afternoon, then continues at that earlier plateau until it begins to drop again, reaching its low point again in the middle of the night. Our tendency to fall asleep should follow a very similar 24-hour cycle. The fact that sleep is governed so tightly by circadian rhythm is why you might wake up at the same bizarre time in the middle of the night every night. Once again, it's 3.37 a.m., Why am I awake? Well, one of the reasons is circadian rhythm. The third thing that determines when we sleep is a broad category of sleep-promoting and sleep-interfering behaviors. Basically, for healthy sleepers, lying down in bed is a cue to fall asleep and stay asleep. If you do other non-sleep activities in bed, those can interfere with your body's tendency to fall asleep as a result of being exposed to the stimulus of being in bed. You can imagine this might be problematic in long-term care where the bed may literally be the only piece of furniture that our patients have access to. Other sleep interfering behaviors are things like thinking, worrying, planning, balancing the checkbook, snacking. Any of these can get in the way of having a good night's rest. So classic CBT for sleep would first explain the errors in individuals' erroneous beliefs about sleep, then target the sleep interfering and sleep promoting behaviors, and then use scheduling to capitalize on circadian rhythm. The basic technique is sleep restriction and consolidation. These techniques use sleep logs to determine the total amount of time that an individual spends asleep versus the total amount of time in bed. We then restrict the amount of time in bed to be just half an hour more than the total sleep time, even if total sleep time is very low. While the basic principles apply to our population in long-term care, obviously They are not in charge of their own schedules in the way that an ambulatory outpatient is. Our patients may not be able to choose the time that they have lights out or when a meal is served 
or they may have a roommate who watches television with the volume up every night. So because of those limitations, we have to think flexibly about how we apply these techniques, since their control of their sleep environment is poor, their control of their schedule is poor, and they may have chronic conditions like low back pain or other things that might interfere with sleep, we really have to focus on the tools that we do have access to. Mostly those sleep interfering and promoting behaviors and whatever parts of their schedule that we can work with. Because often, even in our setting, patients do not act with much intent about their sleep. Becoming intentional about these various activities may have a surprising effect. Even with some significant limitations in the available tools, it is always worth considering these basic principles when evaluating our patient's ability to change their sleep and arriving at a plan. Poor sleep can contribute to poor outcomes on many other variables, so we should always do what we can to help our patients manage their sleep better and get more consolidated, restful, restorative sleep each night. Thank you. Please tune in again next time for another edition of Full Circle by Aventus Whole Health.